Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Trash and Treasury, the podcast where we cover the smart stuff but also lean into the trash. We're Grace and Miranda. Well, for our smart stuff today, in Treasury, we're going to be talking about the pro-Trump conspiracy theory QAnon. So it is everywhere and it's terrifying and we need to talk about it. We do. We absolutely do. And for our trash today, we'll be speaking about an absolutely beautiful show called Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist on Stan, starring Jane Levy, which is a bit of a musical, but a bit of a comedy and also a tearjerker. It's just wonderful. (laughs) Get the tissues ready for that. But before we get to that, let's go to Treasury. QAnon is an online conspiracy theory that is becoming increasingly big, including in Australia. So the conspiracy theory basically goes that President Trump is secretly battling a deep state child sex trafficking ring run by high profile Democrats and celebrities. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's the whole thing. And every other little conspiracy all leads back to that. So there are, like, lots of sub-theories, but that's the main thing. And basically the head of this theory is a mysterious character called Q who claims to be a government official who's leaking information. Okay. Right. So basically when Q posts something, it's called Q drops and all the supporters, like, read them and share them. Ah, okay. But then who has access to the account? Who's the account holder? No one holder? knows. No one knows who's posting as Q. So Q is basically like, Gossip Girl here, your one and only source into the scandalous lives of the White House elite. You know you love me. XOXO Q. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just seriously like that. They just post stuff and everyone's like, oh my God. Bet and they're yeah, inspired they... from Gossip Girl. <laughs> yeah. They're meant to be like a top secret official, but it's never been proven that any of their information has any basis in fact. In fact, all of it is completely absurd and disproven. And it's so weird that Mm. these people are obsessively posting about this secret child trafficking ring involving every celebrity in Hollywood and all the Democrats. Yeah, yeah. That's what the theory is. But it's like child sex abuse is real. Like, why don't you go protest about real child abuse that's actually real? I know. Well, and I think that aren't they saying that, like, there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of missing children who are, like, being sold to the slave trade? Or, like, I don't quite understand it. But Yeah, they're saying that. But it's like, well, then why aren't the parents coming forward and talking to the media? And they say, oh, because the media's in on it. <laughs> It's just like, it goes back to all of our um, comments on conspiracy theories in season one. It's like, there's always an excuse as to like when logic, you know, is given or fact is given to people who are completely obsessed with them. There's always an excuse as to why, you know, the media is paid off or, you know, yeah. Yeah, that's very true and very prevalent. Um, So if you start to research and read a lot of theories about QAnon and start to look at all the message boards and stuff, like Mm -hmm. you can go very deep. There's so many different little spin-off theories. And so reading about it is called going into a Q hole. (laughs) 
Is it really? So this week I have gone into a cue hole so that you and our listeners don't have to. Yes. And look, I don't know everything about it, um, but I know enough to be pretty terrified about it. Um, Yeah. More is yeah. it more just the is it more just the um the amount of followers that it's sort of gained like that's kind yes. of the scary part yes. about it isn't it it's yes. like it's just become massive now it has literally millions of um followers on uh. various social media accounts it's been banned from some social media platforms so for example uh, Reddit famously shut down a QAnon thread and ah. um, shut it down permanently because they said it was violating their terms and conditions because it was inciting violence wow. which it was like there's been a lot of real world violence where people are like you know I've I'm exposing the secret pedophiles like and people are like yeah threatening people or um, in some cases killing people seriously because of QAnon, yes. I've actually never, I didn't know that it got to that extent at murder, like people have been murdered for. So there's been sort of like random rogue people. So there was one um, right at the start called Pizzagate. I've heard of Pizzagate. You've heard of Pizzagate? But yeah. I have no idea what it's about. <laughs> so it's basically like um, they think that this pizza place in Washington is like linked to the pedophile ring. And so they, like, um, yeah, took in guns and everything. And, of course, it's just a pizza place. Um, And there's been, yeah, a few other times where one time someone threatened to, like, blow up one of the really big dams, the Hoover Dam, unless they gave them Hillary Clinton's emails and stuff. Jeez. Yeah. So what also makes it scary, though, is that... um, so I was saying like they've sort of banned it on some social medias, but people can get around that. So, for example, um, they say like 17 because Q is the 17th letter of the alphabet. So even if they've banned QAnon, it's all written in code. And so like it can be quite enticing to people to like learn the code and like be able to – it's almost like its own little language. Um, mm. The castle means the White House and stuff. But what's really scary is the more mainstream it's getting – so there's yeah. been a lot of cases actually of people in Australia now, like um, I haven't heard of any violence linked to QAnon in Australia, but a lot of people um, just reporting that their family members or friends are like sending them articles about how, you know, all the media is fake and there's this thing called mm. QAnon. But what's also really scary is that there are at least two Republican candidates who believe and support QAnon who are very likely to be elected in November. So then there'll be actually people in government that are conspiracy theorists. What? Yes. Really? And Trump um, Trump retweets a lot of their posts. He does, doesn't he? So He's it's- retweeted hundreds of their posts, yep. So he's a believer. Is so Trump well, believes that this is all true because I suppose it does it benefits him, doesn't it? Because it's like they exactly. think that it's they think that it's him. So it gives him he, all this power and he, accolades that yeah. he so wants. He goes very close to the line of plausible deniability so that he can't get linked with any of the bad sides of it. Um, mm. but he does retweet stuff and then very recently in a press conference he was explicitly asked like, you know, since coronavirus this QAnon group is becoming a lot more prominent. What do you think about that and what would you say to them? And he said, 
Uh, I don't know much about this QAnon group, but I know that they like me very much, and so I'm very <laughs> appreciative of that. <laughs> He's like, I'll take anyone. <gasps> oh, God. Oh, Donald. And, like, they think that Trump is sending them messages and codes. So at one of Trump's press conferences in 2017... He had all the military at this press conference. Right. And in his speech, he said, this is the calm before the storm. And QAnon people have really seized on this as like kind of a prophecy. A prophecy. Well, yeah. Like, honestly, I was listening to an expert talking about it and she is saying at this point, it's more like a religious movement than a conspiracy theory. Like... They read the words of QAnon and study it the way people study, like, biblical texts. Whoa. So right now we're in the calm before the storm, and the storm is when Trump will eventually be able to do mass arrests of the Democrats and expose the child pedophilia ring, and after which there'll be a sort of, like, reshuffling of society once we've ridded all the evil pedophiles. Oh, my god! And they think the storm is coming. This is so fucked up. <laughs> like, what? Isn't the it? Fuck? It's so weird. <gasps> so weird. Like, there's going to be this gigantic reckoning of yeah, the it's really world. scary. Yeah, it's scary because it's like it's so stupid, but then like so many people believe this, which is terrifying. You know, it's terrifying yeah, that and something this they're absurd. getting into parliament. So, what if they get power and also they're violent and? Yeah, it's really scary. So who who would be allowed to be in parliament with these beliefs? Like who would actually, like who's in there? Apart from Trump because he's an idiot, but um, who are the others? So there's a couple of um, people running for Congress, both women, um, who have both done videos being like, you know, Q is telling the truth. It's so important. Like I don't know who Q is, but we have to listen and they're, they're both projected to um, get elected because they're both in um, safe Republican seats. Oh. And so another little message that people think Trump is sending them. So you remember the yellow T-shirt theory from Britney episode? Yes. There is a yellow tie theory in QAnon. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, apparently... Is he um, also on TikTok? (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, at a recent press conference about coronavirus, Trump was wearing a yellow tie. And before I go into that, it's also worth mentioning just with coronavirus in general, like QAnon people, surprise, surprise, are quite uh, conspiratorial about coronavirus they think either it's like fake pandemic. Yeah, it's either <laughs> planned, released by the Democrats in China, yep. or it's faked. Yeah. Um, and they want to insert you with chips or something to control you or some some random yeah. something exactly. like that. <laughs> so they think it's either way, they don't think it's a real global health crisis. And so he was doing this interview about coronavirus wearing his yellow tie. So what QAnon said about it is that in the marine sort of settings, the colour yellow means uh, all is well. And so he thinks that by by wearing this yellow tie, Trump is signalling to everyone, don't worry, coronavirus isn't real. Everything's fine. Ah, oh, 
That's, yeah, again, that's a stretch, isn't it? <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know conspiracy theorists like are always stretching, but that's that's a massive stretch. <laughs> then again, so was Taylor Swift not having a belly button. So yeah. who am I to question the interwebs? <laughs> Some of them, though, are like, yeah. As we said, there's like a whole lot of other little fairies um, and there's one that they have, which uh, they're quite obsessed with John F. Kennedy Jr., okay. who um, died in a plane crash. And they think that didn't happen. They either think Hillary Clinton killed him because they were uh, Democratic rivals earlier in her career, or if she didn't kill him, they think that he faked his death and he's still alive but they think he is going to come out of hiding, announce that he's still alive and announce himself as Trump's running mate. Surprise, I'm not dead, vote Trump. (laughs) Surprise, I'm not dead and I'm here alongside Trump. You reckon that's, they reckon that's going to happen. That was their theory, yeah, before Pence was announced. That is insane. That is totally insane. (laughs) It is, but like... (sighs) The scary thing is people are believing it and I guess like it's interesting like sort of what we're seeing with social media now and like, um, you know, Facebook is refusing to fact check anything. They're saying that's not Mm. their role. Yeah. So then things like this can thrive. Even if they did fact check it and things, it's like, the posts are still up or it's impossible and to get on top of that many posts. Like, so, you know, you just, you pretty much can't. And yeah. And people would think, you know, they're trying to hide the truth. They're internet with the government. Yeah. And I, I don't, I think one thing I did hear, which was interesting about like the theory behind why, you know, people are so invested in conspiracy theories. Um, but this particular one feeds a lot of those reasons. And do they have some sort of, belief about satan or like there's like a devil or something that they're fighting against um apparently it it does have a lot of sort of biblical undertones yeah i was listening to an expert um speaking about conspiracy theories and he was sort of saying that because qanon has this sort of belief about uh good and evil like it's apparently the delineation of evil it's like a way for people to make sense of it, like good and bad. And that's why yeah. people um, are kind of keen to latch on to theories um, is is a way of explaining the world or a way to, um, you know, find answers to something that's really complicated or like why are things happening? And um, obviously there's, you know, it can be vulnerable people, people are looking for answers and things. But that was an interesting theory, I thought, you know, just... No, the- and I think that's right. Um, and it feeds it. sort of it. goes back to the whole, it's a religious movement. It's not just mm. a conspiracy anymore. It's, yeah, yeah, it's almost become a religion. So it's getting pretty big. And um, this has been around for some time now. So I think it started in 2018 or something or before then or 2016 even. But um, Yeah, around 2016, I think. But it's grown a lot. Yeah, it has. And, yeah, I guess it's getting bigger and bigger and scarier and scarier. Another good point that was made um, by this expert was that because a theory like this is so big, so complex um, and so large scale, 
it's it's totally plausible that conspiracy theories will overlap with fact at certain points, mm. which makes it incredibly confusing and also um, means that they can grab any piece of that information and use it as QAnon's yeah. theory to be proven. Confirmation bias as well. This one thing Confirmation was true, bias. therefore the rest is also going to all be true. That's the perfect word for it. And, um, you know, also that eventually because it's so big and sort of, of course, some real things happen in life, um, you know, that, that aren't the best or, you know, some there might be some corrupt person or something like that. Um, so whenever something like that happens – like, wasn't it, yeah. like, Epstein and his suicide and all that sort of stuff? Like, it is pretty... Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And it also, um, Bill Clinton's been linked to Epstein. Bill Clinton's not accused of doing anything, um, but he's, you know, was friends with Epstein. And so that uh, really plays into the theory because Hillary is a central enemy of this theory as well. And, yes. yeah, they've accused the Clintons of, yeah, child sex trafficking. Yeah. And, look, it is strange circumstances how he died, you know, but, um, you know, he made the point that that's not necessarily just because that might be questionable doesn't mean that the rest has to be true or that it's linked to a conspiracy. Mm. Like, just because that's a little bit, mm, don't know what's going on there. Like, why is it linked to the QAnon? Or <laughs> I feel like QAnon's just like the new Illuminati. Like, is that it just... It is, <laughs> yeah. I think it is. And it's, I think it's probably it's big similar thing. to Illuminati. In a, Like, they may be part of it overlaps. I haven't gone deep on Illuminati, but I know a lot of celebrities were implicated in Illuminati and definitely... Basically, the targets of QAnon is politicians, Democrat politicians, and Hollywood elite. Mm. I saw the funniest tweet about it, though, that was like, clearly no conspiracy theory has ever worked in project management because how could you line up thousands of people to all get in on this lie when if you've ever run a project, you know how hard it is to get even five people to all do the thing they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it. (laughs) That is so so true. true. Like how could, yeah, just logistically wise, the project management wise, you couldn't pull it off. You couldn't pull this off. And also like even in uni or in high school, trying to get group projects done with like five people was an absolute punish. Exactly. Could you imagine getting millions of people to work together and spy on people? And to what end? Like what's the point? Like why? You know? We don't yeah. need it. Just, you know, just put on your thinking caps, people. It's a conspiracy. Yeah. I mean, I was reading something recently about how to talk to someone if you're worried they have fallen in to it. And basically it said presenting them with facts is not going to work. Um, mm. Something that is helpful is to sort of frame it like, hey, it's really good that you're being critical of the media. Like critical thinking is great, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, how about turn that critical thinking towards QAnon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like sort of recognising, yeah, the reasons people might have been drawn to it and just lecturing people that it's crazy and ridiculous is not going to bring people out of it. But, yeah, increasing amount of Australians recently getting yeah. involved in it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think we've given QAnon enough airtime now. <laughs> let's completely change tracks and talk about a beautiful, wonderful show. (laughs) 
So Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist is a show on Stan and it was created by Austin Winsberg. And the show features a lot of singing and dance and most of the dance pieces were choreographed by a woman called Mandy Moore. And this is not the actress. (laughs) That is so weird that she would use that as her name though if that's not the actress. I know. Like, that she wouldn't call herself Amanda Moore or whatever her real name is. It's a good point. We, isn't it trademarked or something? I don't know. <laughs> I know. It must be very confusing for her. But I, when I first watched it, actually, I remember seeing uh, produced by Mandy Moore and I was like, what? But because I'm such a fan of So You Think You Can Dance, um, I was like, no, this is the Mandy Moore, the choreographer, the renowned choreographer who's... <laughs> unbelievable like she's incredible so she had a lot to do with this and that's why it's so epic so Ah. the show is about a woman who is a computer programmer and is suddenly able to hear people's innermost thoughts expressed through song which they term heart songs and it's Mm. epic fun vibrant and heartfelt like it's just the most beautiful show and look there's no real rum or reason as to why she (laughs) can hear people uh singing but she has this mri and there's an earthquake while she's in the mri ipso facto she sees the world in song (laughs) (laughs) now what people might not know is that the show is actually based on the real life experience of the show creator's father, Richard Weinsberg, um, and he had a condition called progressive supernuclear palsy, or also known as PSP, which forms the heartfelt backdrop to the whole series. So it's basically Zoe's dad who can't express himself verbally or physically. He's he's lost a lot of his motor skills and function, um, and basically he's dying. And it's sort of uh, the show, show creator says, he wanted to create a show um, that turned grief into joy. And, like, he sort of had these vivid imaginations of whether he, you know, imagine if his father could see the world in song because he can't express what he wants, but imagine if he could. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's such a beautiful idea. It's so beautiful. I didn't know it was based on a true story. I only found that out very recently. Um, yeah. And also was reading a bit about what the creator has said about it and that just so many of the little scenes about it, like asking yeah. for lemonade on the buzzer and all that stuff yeah. is all based on true things. I know. I know. It's just, it's it's so personal um, for him and uh, also a lot of other characters on the show, which I'll which I'll get to later. Um, A bunch of the main actors. So the main star of the show is called Zoe and she's played by Jane Levy, who you might know from Suburgatory. Have you ever watched that show? No, no. I've (laughs) never seen her before. Really? Well, look, she's really awesome. She's, She's kind of a, you know, she's, this is a big splash for her, but Suburgatory was her big uh, sort of first uh, time in a series, like to be a main actress on, on the season. Um, and that's actually really funny. So I do recommend that as well. The father is played by Peter Gallagher, who's an actor who you might know from the OC as Sandy Cohen. 
<laughs> yes, that is key information. <laughs> the eyebrows. And he's the one. That, <laughs> so he's amazing at playing uh, a person with this medical condition because um, he's just so expressive with his eyes and eyebrows and stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Skylar Aston, who's from Pitch Perfect, um, who plays Zoe's best friend and love interest. Uh, Lauren Graham, the one and only Lauren Graham, who plays Zoe's boss, Joan. And so you might know her as Lorelai from Gilmore Girls. And another guy who plays her brother called Andrew Leeds, which the the whole time I was watching this show, I couldn't place where he was from. And I'm like, this guy is terrifying. Why am I so terrified of him? (laughs) (laughs) He plays such a nice guy. Um, And he was in Bones, the crime series, and he played uh, the terrifying Christopher Pallant, who was like this uh, uh, IT terrorist. He was like this ooh. crazy, scary guy. Yeah, he was yeah really, really powerful and scary. I can see him as a scary guy. Yeah. There's another <laughs> super famous person in it, which is Ava, the boss of Level 6, is Renee Elise Goldsbury, who plays Angelica Schuyler in Hamilton. Oh, so is that who also, that was? That's who that was, the singing and dancing and why her voice is so good. I should have known. A lot of, some of the other characters aren't musical theatre people. Like Lauren Graham's not, um, but then some of them are. Yes, that's right. That's right. A lot of them are not, don't have like that background. But it's interesting that you say that about the Hamilton actress because I couldn't figure out who it was that they were referring to in an interview that I was watching, a cast interview. And Lauren Graham was saying that she's pushing for a song from Hamilton to be in season two. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's who. Yeah, it's such a sweet show. I started watching it as soon as it came out on Stan. It was sort of described as being a bit like Glee, which, you know, as I've talked about before, I like musicals. So I was on board. It's a very sweet and colourful show. Um but because it was only coming out week by week, I was up to date and at some point I stopped watching it and I only actually finished it um, today and I'm so glad that I finished it. If you're yeah. only halfway through, it's definitely worth um, finishing it because the season is very well thought out and oh. um, we were just talking about the creator and his personal experiences and, yeah, he made very deliberate choices about the story he wanted to tell in season one. Yeah. So I think as a whole, like, yeah, it's really beautiful. And it's interesting because the cast didn't know, you know, at that point whether they were coming back for a season two. So um, it has been renewed for season two, which is awesome, but it's going to be interesting to see where it goes next. I mean, um, the whole story covers this arc and I won't spoil anything for listeners at this point, um, but I'll give a shout out when we do get to the last episode where I will spoil the ending. So I want to first jump into some of the highlights of the season and that means dance numbers, episodes, storylines. So the first one, iconic, was the Zoe's Extraordinary Glitch episode where something in her power, uh, usually people are singing at her or to her, heartfelt songs about themselves or the world and... Uh, and time kind of freezes while that's happening. Like, yeah. They're kind of like, what? And she's like, you just sang and dance a whole song. That's like, it. 
it's cra- it's crazy and fantastic. And at the end of the song, they go back to reality as if nothing happened. And so, you know, nobody can see anything. And then in this one episode, uh, when Zoe's having a bit of a crisis, she gets bad news about her dad um, and she sort of is in this weird limbo state and she's at work and she starts singing crazy. It's just the most epic dance sequence. And then when she gets upstairs, she's still singing. (laughs) And then her friend (laughs) turns around and she's literally just singing alone without her backup dancers and stuff. (laughs) And she's like, it's a whole thing. Can't you see that? Like, what? She's like, he's like, no. (laughs) Could you hear me just, could you hear me singing? He's like, "Uh, yeah, I could. (laughs) What you doing? (laughs) And then she's like, alone or with dancers and then he's like alone <laughs> she's like I could have sworn I had backup dancers <laughs> like, he just thinks she's gone insane and um, she does the same thing in her boss's office and they're like are you high do you need to go to the hospital like let's be serious <laughs> and then and that's like during a really important meeting isn't it then she goes into the meeting after that and does uh, sings pressure And it's amazing. Yes. It's she, she's so good at acting. Um, even though she's not a trained dancer or anything like that, she does these movements with her body as if her body has completely taken over and is dancing. But her face is like, oh my god, why is my body dancing? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. She's like, no, no, no. This is so embarrassing. And she gets on the table and she's tap dancing on the table. <laughs> it's just shockingly cringeworthy and hilarious. I love that scene. It is hilarious. I think it's worth talking a little bit more about her workplace where this meeting takes place. <laughs> so it's like this tech company, coding company. Yep. It's very um, pro girls in STEM, code like a girl. Yep. Um, and she's like a boss lady. Yeah, it's cute. And um, good storylines as well when um, the carer of her dad's daughter comes into it and um, she's played by a deaf woman and she's into coding too. They have this like cute little yeah. exchange about like the first female mathematician and stuff. Like, Yeah, yeah. it's very, it's, it's very cool. Vibes. Apparently, cool. apparently uh, the theory behind making her a computer programmer from the show creator's point of view mm. was so um, that she could sort of be a quirky introvert um, is sort of what they were going for. and So true. I love that. So then had to be sort of taken aback by all this uh, dance and fun and singing and stuff. Like they wanted it to, they wanted her to have that specific type of personality and they could like see her working in this um, environment. And they wanted an actress who was like dry and witty but also kind of funny, you know, so... She just does an amazing job. In terms of that glitch episode, I have to <laughs> give the most amazing piece of information um, for that crazy sequence where she's in that magnificent coat. <laughs> but apparently, like, they create these episodes in eight days. And the glitch episode, wow. yes, which is ridiculous if anyone knows anything about creating TV or music theatre, it's insane. And so 
Zoe sings six songs, I think, um, and has to like be in all these different sequences. And she had, I think, one hour um, the night before or whatever and they had one take because they were filming at a university and they just like couldn't shut the university down because like students still had to like go to school and <laughs> stuff. So they're like yeah. training in amongst all these students and there's dancers everywhere and Zoe's going from – Jane Levy, the actress, is going from place to place to place. Then she comes back and they're like, right, we've got one take. Let's just do it. And she does and she nails it. And it was like one of the best sequences. Like it gave me goosebumps. I rewatched that sequence so many times. Like just so good. There was wow. just so many times like that on the show, just magic happens where just things just all come together. It is true. Magic is like a good way to describe the show. <laughs> it's, I think it's a very good show for 2020. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, it's just really beautiful. And even though there's sad bits, um, they're told really beautifully and it's just generally a really wholesome show. It kind of feels like a very G-rated show, but then hilariously yeah. every single episode starts with her swearing and they like beep it out. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the start of every episode. She's like, what the actual? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's cute. Like it's, it's yeah, it's G, it's pretty G rated, but it's, um, it's also got some beautiful themes that are upsetting and stuff as well. Like, you know. Yeah. And I think like you said, um, the main character who plays Zoe is just sort of dry and witty. She's very much the sort of straight man trope from a comedy. She's not really mm. like the main hilarious character or anything. She's more like reacts to other people. And one of yeah. the key sort of big personalities and, um, yeah, big funny people in the show is her neighbour, Mo. Yeah. Mo's amazing. Mo is amazing. And I think that is another really, yeah, powerful storyline. Do you recognise Mo from anywhere? Well. I do know, yeah, that they're in Glee because <laughs> I've watched all of Glee. <laughs> yeah. Um, he played Unique Adams and um, – just like known for having the most amazing Aretha Franklin-esque voice that can just belt out a serious tune. Like, oh, I got tingles when Mo was singing songs. Um, there's this beautiful storyline um, and the actor is Alex Newell, which hilariously is the name of my cousin. So if my family are listening, <laughs> that's not <laughs> my cousin's new career or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, he identifies as gender non-conforming gay man. And so in May 2020, uh, you know, when the show came out, he said that he really relates to this character of Mo um, and singing in church. And that's be- that's brought into the show. And there's this beautiful yeah. episode where, um, you know, because he's, he's worried about dressing as a woman at church um, and being shunned and things like that. Um and it's like this beautiful journey and at the end that church scene where he actually um, comes dressed how he wants to dress and he sings Let It Shine, I think. This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Oh, this little light of mine
and it's just so beautiful (laughs) it's just full of moments where I just would pretty much cry in every episode I reckon like it just was so touching (laughs) yeah that whole church scene was really beautiful and yeah his church community was like yeah really beautiful and accepting and embracing and he could be his true self yeah it's just so lovely and also what was really cool that I've never seen before was um you brought up before the carers the father's carers daughter who was also into computer programming and uh plot line is that she was deaf in the story but also all the actors who played her and um her friends at the university are all deaf and Mm. um there was this beautiful song that was recreated uh fight song um and it's all done in asl sign language yeah that was amazing It was so beautiful and so beautifully choreographed by Mandy Moore. And um, she spoke about how she learnt the sign language um, movements to express various words within the songs um, and how it would be communicated to people who could sign and also to people who couldn't sign and how they would convey the emotions. And they specifically chose to not have subtitles during that sequence um, because they wanted the audience to... to sort of feel like they had to understand it from a point of view that they couldn't understand all the words, you know, so it's just the tune and it's just signs, mm-hmm. like there's no words and it's it's just so beautiful. It is so beautiful. And because it's a popular song, like a lot of people will know the words from yes. just hearing the instrumentals and, you know, be able to see, oh, yeah, that sign they're doing does mean that. Um but even if you didn't know the song, you know, yeah, the yeah. emotions and expressions. And it's just so beautiful that they actually, you know, we need more representation in TV shows and that they actually got, you know, people, um, you know, with these disabilities playing people with disabilities in the show. Like we've, we've seen that a lot in TV where they don't have actors um, who are playing those characters and you know we should be more inclusive and they've just done such a great job in this show the other thing that was really good about it was um the daughter says that you know my dad wanted me to get cochlear implants and he wanted me to get hearing aids and you know he wanted to do all this stuff to fix me and Zoe's like well yeah but isn't that because he cared about you yeah and she's like yeah but that's implying that there's something wrong with being deaf and when I came to this deaf dormitory I met people who don't view this as a deficit and view being deaf as something amazing and like um I think that's a really important powerful narrative as well to have in the mainstream yeah absolutely absolutely Oh, it's just There's a good episode of um, You Can't Ask That about deaf Australians who say the same thing worth checking out. Oh, awesome. Okay, we'll definitely have to do that. Mm. And then, so spoiler alert, we're going to talk about the last episode. So... Yeah, I think we have to. So <laughs> it's just so good. Go and watch it and come back. Um, 
But yeah, we can't do the conversation justice without going into some detail around the last episode. It just needs to be spoken about. So Grace, you're fresh off the press with this episode. So how are you feeling? Yeah, I literally watched this um, about half an hour ago. (laughs) Yeah. It was amazing. It was so beautiful. (laughs) Wasn't it? Um, So basically... Throughout the season, in the first episode, you find out that her dad does have this neurological condition and he is dying. And he gets sort of progressively worse um, quite quickly throughout the season. And so you are sort of um, definitely expecting that he will pass soon and they're making arrangements. You know, there's going to funerals, homes and stuff to get ready in the later Mm. episodes. Um, yeah, and so in the season finale, he does um, die and they have these beautiful heart songs saying goodbye oh. to everyone Yeah, before he does and they're all so beautiful. I know. And then the song at the wake is just amazing. Oh, yeah. Like the start of that episode begins with Bad Moon Rising. She, so she gets out of bed and, um, you know, she's singing Bad Moon Rising. And I just loved that sequence so much as well. Like she's only singing when she's in a reflective surface and sort yeah, of like... the toaster. <laughs> in the toaster and stuff. It was so brilliant. And her face and her emotions. Like She's honestly, I'm just obsessed with Jane Levy. I think she's an amazing actress. And, um, you know, she can feel that something bad's about to happen. And so the whole episode, you're sort of waiting for what that thing's going to be. And obviously, you know, it's her father dying. Um, And, oh, God, it's just, it's so emotional. But the one when she finally goes to her father's bedside and then walks out of the room and then into the lounge room with her sort of like imagination dad and they have a dance. He calls her to come over. He's yeah. Like, away from my bed. Come over here. Sort That's of it. saying I'm not my physical body. Like, you know. Yeah. So she and then um she has this beautiful dance with him um to true colours, but before the music starts, it's just completely silent. Um oh. and like the the use of silence in this show is amazing. Um before she even does the crazy sequence. Um, it's completely silent as she walks out of the doctor's office like she's in a trance and then walks into her workplace and does that crazy sequence with her glitch. Mm. And they use silence so amazingly in this show. Um, The creator said, I wanted her to go away from that moment because I physically went through that moment and I didn't want Zoe to have to experience it. Like, he sort of I know and it was really like oh it is really really hard to watch someone you absolutely love like be that you know right at those final moments and so he wanted her to have this different view so that he could you know from his own experience like it's just it's so beautiful and every single actor in this show was like so on board with everything and you know just did everything so much justice and it's just a, it's just like a work of art. I swear to God, it's just beautiful. And um, beautiful. the very last sequence, they sing "Bye Bye Miss American Pie," and it's so gorgeous. And apparent, and every person is yes. singing in it. Um, and the, apparently, the whole cast. Um, that's like the one time where they were all doing one scene together, and I think they only had one take as well and they did it as the very last yep and they did it as the very last thing that they ever did like the very last scene that they shot because 
the creator specifically wanted that to be the finale for the cast as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, I I think it is a single camera shot. It walks around the whole house and different people come in and out of shots. And it was very hard to rehearse because of that and all the set coming in and stuff. So they pretty much had one shot where everything worked, like all of the set, and they just knew that it was the right take and it was beautiful. And that very last thing where she's like, the day the music died. And they were singing bye. Bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. Them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye. The day. The music died. And it's just like because her dad's gone and, you know, that was kind of the whole thing behind these heart songs, the whole reason for them, you know. So obviously she'll continue singing in season two, I'm sure. But, you know, if this season never got renewed, it's like the most beautiful standalone series for grief um, and hope, and I just I loved it so much. I agree, it's so beautiful and standalone. Um, and I was also interested in that too. I'm like, like, why would you do a second season? It's like, it's just, it's told, it's done. Um, but the creator sort of said he felt like it was really important a not to drag the death out into a second season. He definitely yes. wanted that to happen in the first season because in his first life, in his real life, that happened yeah. so quickly. Um, but he also sort of said, you know, there's another story to be told about then how do you move past grief and, you know, what will that look like? Um, and so, yeah, like the whole theme of the show is about how you can find sort of like beauty in grief and the songs, um, yeah, about her sort of flipping her yeah. like – her attitude to things she gives her dad the same speech in the first and last episode but sort of flips what she's saying yeah yeah oh and I just like resonated with this so much obviously you know having so much grief myself recently and you know I just think it really hit the nail on the head um you know and even if you haven't gone through that and hopefully people aren't but it's still just so beautiful to watch and you'll relate to it in some way you know yeah, like there's a lot stunning. of lighter moments in the show as well that are like love triangles and workplace rivalries and lots of silliness. Um, yeah. Which I think is good too. It's a good balance. It'd it is. too hard to watch if and it's I all love, just about her dad. And I loved it so much. I would be so upset if there wasn't a season two. So I'm so grateful that they're continuing. Now, I do just have one final hilarious piece of information or just yes. amazing piece of information. So... Mary Steenbergen, who played the mum, Maggie. Yes. Have you heard about, do you know about her surgery that she had once? Uh, all I know about her is that in real life she's married to the guy who plays Michael in The Good Place. They are oh, like I don't know who such an adorable couple. Do you watch The Good Place? No. Oh, my God, you need to get on it. It's is, he the one, is he the one that played Becca? I, maybe. I'm not sure. The main, the main old guy? 
He's an old guy. Yeah, main old guy. Yeah, The main old guy. Oh, my God. He's Becca. I love him. Yeah, they're spouses. <laughs> yep. But no, I've never heard of her surgery. So in real life, she had surgery and a strange complication with the anesthesia or something. Meant she um, could hear songs? Yes. So <gasps> she... Yes, yeah, so she like randomly woke up and she was obsessively attuned to music. So she was sort of like she couldn't – she said at the at the beginning it was so hard to even have a conversation because it was so distracting. And she said it eventually just became part of her life um, and now she incorporates it into her work and she actually has started writing songs for film and shows because she's just obsessed with music. And when someone pitched this show to her, she said, um, of course I'm doing it because it's like my life. Oh. <laughs> As if I could say no to a show that's like literally about me. And there's not actually a word for it. The doctors were kind of puzzled with this situation. Wow. I know. So, yeah. <laughs> Magnificent. So I know. And my final piece of trivia is that the carer at the very end in the final episode um, mentions that her dad, who's watching television, is watching Alone, the show that I recommended. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Inception. So he's got it's good okay. taste. Ah, <laughs> that's so beautiful that there's so many personal connections for the people that made that show to the story. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's one of those shows that are just, yeah, it's it's brilliant. They're all in it together and it just but yeah, works. yeah, I do kind of think, oh, do you need season two? It's just perfect on its own. Don't ruin it. There's a great responsibility for season two oh. to live up to that because that was such a specific story. If they could do such justice to season one, even all the side stories, um, I'm confident that they'll... Um, do us well in season two and I can't wait <laughs> me neither any idea when it's dropping 2021 not till next year still that's not that long away it's not that long away but COVID who knows if they can film <laughs> when they want to film <laughs> well yeah season two is something to look forward to then on the horizon but I think that's it for trash now let's find out what hill we're gonna die on this week to die on this week it's a bit of a throwback to the early 2000s um yep and the hill i'm willing to die on is that wonderwall is the worst song ever made oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) now this might be controversial just because so many people play it cover it have probably had some sort of high school love memory associated with it I don't. I hate it. I think it is the most dreary, boring song ever created. And every time I hear someone cover it who thinks they're a musician because they can play two chords, it just (laughs) makes me viscerally angry. And I just hate the song so much. And nobody can ever tell me otherwise. Like, it is just the worst song ever created in history. I mean, I think there's definitely a lot of people that agree with you to the extent that it's become a bit of a meme <laughs> of like the annoying guy at like the house party that isn't reading the room and is just like, anyway, I'm going to play Wonderwall. 
did somebody ask me to sing you a song because I'm an amazing yeah. musician who can play Wonderwall? You're not a great yeah, musician. Here's Wonderwall. <laughs> here's Wonderwall. Look, I don't hate Wonderwall. It's like, it's all right. What was that um, in the movie yesterday where yes. the Beatles don't exist? Isn't it that Oasis doesn't exist? It was so funny. So basically, um, for those who haven't seen the movie, it's like the Beatles didn't exist. And so he's Googling the Beatles dramatically and then he's Googling a bunch of other stuff like Coca-Cola and Coca-Cola doesn't exist and stuff like that. And then he Googles like another band and he he Googles Oasis and it comes up just with a picture of a lagoon. And then he's like, you know, because he's shocked by all the other things like by Coke and by the Beatles. And then when he sees that Oasis doesn't exist, he's like, eh, probably for the best. Yeah. (laughs) That was so validating. <laughs> so Jack Malik from the movie yesterday is in your corner. Well, he would die on my hill with me. I don't hate Wonderwall. I definitely, it's not one of my go-to sing in the shower songs, mm. but it doesn't make me angry. Oh, well, Grace, I don't know. I don't know what to say to that. It's just <laughs> sure. got poor taste. <laughs> What's your hill this week? This week, I think mine is truly controversial in that um look yeah we may get some disagreements the hill i'm willing to die on this week is that space exploration is just a total waste of money and effort and we should focus on like the real problems we could direct money towards and helping people on earth rather than just like looking at rocks in space that takes (laughs) billions of dollars Wow, that is controversial, It's It's controversial, isn't it? Yeah, is this because of space? Um, what what was that space thing that Donald Trump did? Oh, Space Force. So Space, space Force, Force, if you don't know, is a new wing of the military. So there's the Navy, the Army, uh, so forth, and now there's also the Space Force. Um, no, it's not about the Space Force because Donald Trump's Space Force is about protecting America's interests in space. So it's not actually about... Um, discovery of science or space exploration I mean I'm a very like pro-science person usually but in this case I'm not I'm like why do you need to spend billions of dollars looking at some rocks to like understand the universe why don't you understand the meaning of life by thinking about the lives of people on earth and like Mm. I do think there's a slight case for space exploration in that we've uh stuffed the planet and we need to look for another one so that's, you know, one In terms thing. of, yeah, finding somewhere else to live, I think it's kind of, you know, the the terror that we've screwed up this planet so much that we need to find another one. <laughs> it's like maybe Which you is could a just great sci-fi on. plot about people moving planets. Do you remember the TV show Silver Sun? Yes. The child crew because the voyage yes. is going to take so long. Yes. Great I love Australian that show. show. I love that show. So good. But yeah. What do you yeah. think about space exploration? Oh, look. I think some of it is worthwhile, um, like in terms of look, exploring the universe, what it means, and like well, not what it means actually, just what's there. Um, you know, can we inhabit uh, inhabit another planet? Is there other life other than us? You know, can we find it? You know, what does that look like? Like it's pretty interesting, um, but. Yes, I think that there are some missions and like so much money and so many resources do go into uh, space exploration for not 
those reasons or like just for so mm. many vast reasons it's like maybe just focus on if you do want to if we do need to move planets eventually maybe just just focus on that and maybe just ignore the other stuff and spend the rest of that money here because sure if we could do all of that and had all the money in the universe um you know we could do all of those things but realistically it costs a shit ton of money so i'm kind of with you there it's kind of profound mm. kind of profound and though, i think a good one the moving planets thing is never going to happen um it's like a very sci-fi idea but like logistically it's just not going to happen we'll just all die <laughs> before that's <laughs> um that's the brutal truth you know <laughs> Well, on that note, maybe you can lift us up with some recommendations. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) My first reco is for everyone who's home on a Saturday night, which is all of us, a little fun game to play with your friends. So it's like a drawing game where you all play on your own phone. And then oh. you like see each other's drawings on the I screen. I reckon I know it. Yes, yeah. I played it. So fun. It's called Drawful and it's in a set of games called Jackbox. Yes. Yeah, so fun. So love it. And it's like perfectly set up for playing with your friends, you know, over Zoom. And if you haven't got onto it yet, um, there are some games you can play for free. And then an account is not very expensive um, to be able to get access to more games. So just a little wholesome one for this week. Drawful. And it's really funny because those drawings are just like ridiculous what you ask to draw. And they're actually really, really funny. Like they're funny things that you have to draw. Like it's not just. They're like quite absurd. And there's an adults version as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like make sure you get the adults version because it's way funnier. (laughs) Totally. Good tip. (laughs) What about you? So my first one this week is the second season of Dirty John on Netflix. And it's a Yes. Oh my god, I watched it all in like two days, I think. It's just um it's completely standalone. So it's different to season one. No, none of the same actors are in it. True story, like season one? True story. Um Mm -hmm. it's based on the Betty Broderick story. Um yeah, so she's married to this guy um, and then it's just all about um, their separation and divorce um, and what happens next. So I can't really give anything else away, to be honest, but it's um, yeah, com- no, don't. I, completely gripping, completely okay. gripping, very different to season one. It's also set mostly in the 80s. So yeah, costumes are amazing and it's kind of got this oh. artfully styled way that they've done it um so very different to season one um but they've now franchised it so I imagine that season three will also be another standalone series yeah interesting because like the original podcast and the show that the first season's based on is around like a terrifying guy called John yes but Dirty John is an expression as well for just like any sort of scheming con artist guy so kind of yeah vibe now it's become that vibe. Like it's just because it's such a renowned mm. tale. And so they've franchised it, decided to not pursue the same story for season two. And because, because probably... you can't. That story, as we said, had a fantastic ending. So absolutely be much to do for season two. It'll be very hard to flesh out. I, I'd, yeah, I totally agree with that. Okay. I am interested to watch that. My final recommendation for this week is another serious and highbrow documentary so it is called Into the Unknown, The Making of Frozen 2. 
<laughs> I was like, Grace, can you stop recommending depressing documentaries about sex offenders, please? Yeah, no. Plot twist, this one is about a child's animation. And Facebook knows I'm obsessed with Frozen 2. I got targeted on Facebook the other day, a sing-along Zoom class for ages four to eight. Where you sing all the songs. I'm like, that sounds awesome, but I don't think I can go to that. <laughs> you were like, I could just have my camera off and join in. Would anyone know? <laughs> no, very creepy. Um, yep. But the doco is fantastic. So basically it's just really, really fascinating to see actually how a Disney animation gets made and how much feedback they get and the iterative process they go through. So basically they remake the film multiple times They show it for other film critics every three months. Everyone gives them a lot of criticism and they basically like redo the whole thing. And animation is so painstaking, like it takes weeks to do a few seconds, but they'll just scrap the whole thing and people will just be like, damn, that's my month's work just gone. Um, But in the end, they get like an amazing story, but they only stop with a final script like three months before it's about to be released. Before that, they're just open to feedback, changing it like a hundred times. It was like, they're very resilient to be an animator. Wow. You can't be precious. And also, I didn't realize from watching Frozen 2, but one of the voiceover actors uh, is the guy who plays Randall in This Is Us. Oh, is it? Yeah. So he was (laughs) in the doco and so is Kristen Bell and all the others and... Talking about like a lot of emotional things that actually went into the film and like I've raved about Frozen 2 already, but the doco about making Frozen 2 is surprisingly good. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I might be more inclined to watch the doco than actually watch Frozen 2, but (laughs) (laughs) it'll give me the idea. Well, my final reco is also... um, Different to the first one. So after you've um, watched a very intense Dirty John season two, the Betty Broderick story, um, tune into season two of Glow Up on Netflix. Have you watched Glow Up, Grace? No, but everyone's talking about it. So it's makeovers, right? Oh, Is that- it's so beautiful. Um, and it's actually so lovely. It's one of those competition reality shows that about the art and not about the drama, which is so rare. <laughs> it's also and refreshing. So refreshing and sweet and I love it. And actually the art, the artists are amazing. So it's about makeup, but that is all facets of makeup. So um, in terms of fashion shoots, um, you know, uh, editorial photo shoots, um, catwalks, but then also costumes, uh, prosthetics, um, 3D visual effect makeup and things like that as well. So it's not, it's not like Trini and Susanna makeover show or like Queer Eye. Absolutely not. No, it's about extremely amazing makeup artists who are very good at what they do, and like they do some really amazing makeups, um, like using clay, using stuff like string and you just it's amazing what they can come up with and the prosthetics that they use so there's another show that I also love called face off that there's like eight seasons or something that is fully about prosthetic makeup which I would also highly recommend super cool I've never even heard of that that does sound good actually 
glow up is just about the face. So the face makeup, a little bit of body makeup. Um, and hair? Yeah, hair can be incorporated into it as well, but it's predominantly the art on the face. And, yeah, it's incredible what they come up with and um, how they push boundaries and, like, it's just it's really cool. So highly recommend it. Aww. That show actually sounds really good. I think I will watch that. It's nice to have a show that's just like wholesome and not bitchy. I know. It's so rare. (laughs) And that's actually a good segue into next week's topic. So unfortunately, this is bitchy, I assume. Basically, we're (laughs) going to be talking about selling sunsets. So it's this new reality show everyone's talking about at the moment about a group of LA real estate agents that sell homes to Hollywood's elite. But everyone is obsessed with it and we're going to watch it and find out why. I've heard that it's a cross between The Real Housewives, Grand Designs and Heaven. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I've heard it described. It's amazing. Uh, But because we're all about light and shade in this podcast, we're going to also be diving into cults. So we'll be discussing some of the more prominent ones um, and just a few examples of what the hell is a cult and how do people get into them. Yeah, so you can hear all about that next Tuesday night, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you haven't checked it out yet, if you follow us on Instagram, we post a bunch of bonus content. So (laughs) things like our recommendations and also Grace's 1,500-word essay about Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please like and retweet. I need to go viral and meet Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) Until then, see you next week. Please note that the views expressed within this podcast are our own and we are not experts. We've done some serious Googling and even some serious internet deep dives, but we are by no means qualified. If you need actual advice, please speak to a licensed professional. We can even help you Google one.